The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. When the Bible is preached, it isn't about sharing information, or not mainly. It's not about growing in knowledge. It's not even about understanding the Bible better, although all of those things are true. It's about an encounter with Jesus. So just as in the worship, as we sing out our songs, we come with an expectation that we will encounter Jesus as we worship, as we sing out. So as we submit ourselves under the word of God and under preaching of the word, we are expecting to encounter Jesus. I want you to imagine that I've got a rugby ball and I'm going to... That doesn't work, does it? Imagine I've got a rugby ball and I am going to throw it out. You need to catch it. If you're going to receive it, You've got to catch it. There's something you've got to do. If I was maybe, if I was to throw it to Dave Lyons back there, he probably thinks, right, if the ball's coming my way, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to get my hands ready, I haven't got a rugby ball and I'm certainly not throwing the microphone, but he will catch it. There's something active that happens. When the Word of God is preached, there needs to be an active response in our hearts and in our minds It's not about me entertaining you. It's not about me saying something you've never heard before. It's about you meeting with God. And it can be the worst preach I've ever done or the best. It doesn't really make much difference in that sense. It's about the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God, which He loves to do and bringing life. So are you ready to catch have you, have you pre-decided, right, my mind will be active, my heart will be open, I am going to receive the word with faith, I am not going to be passive? Good. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't pause for dramatic purposes, I paused because I didn't know what else to say. So, we're, we're continuing our preach series um, called Abide. It's, it's about growing as a disciple. It's about living a fruitful life in a missional context. And even as Teresa was sharing about being invited on Alpha, that's my ambition for all of you, is that we, we live in this way. We live out among a whole load of people that do not know Jesus. We are surrounded by loads of opportunities to talk about him and share about what he's done in our lives. And as we grow as disciples, as we bear fruit for his glory, we display that glory to people who don't know him. And that creates opportunities for us to say, hey, have you met this Jesus that has changed me? Let me introduce you to him. Let me invite you to come along and hear about him. So last week, we were meant to look at the first half of chapter 14. I I thought the meeting, it was really, really good, but obviously we didn't look at that bit. It is online. So if you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it later. Um, I'm going to pick up the second half 
of John chapter 14. Um, and we're going to be looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is in verse 12, whoever believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. What an amazing promise. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to do mighty works for God. That's part of your inheritance. It may not be greater in quality, but it will be in quantity. Just look around this room. You may not go walking on water, or, or multiplying loaves and fishes to feed 5,000. But there are works that God has got for you to do to display his glory. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest, reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but my father's who sent me. I think the word father is mentioned in this whole chapter about 30 times. It's, it's right in, the Trinity is right in these verses, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will be, you will you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I know I, know, I will no longer talk much with you, for the, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Incredible verses packed with so much amazing truth. I don't know if I will, but my intention is to give you six truths about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And my intention is that I will preach one and then we will respond. And then I'll preach another one and then we will respond. So you're up for catching? When that rugby ball comes flying at your head, you're ready to catch it. 
You're ready to grasp what it is that God wants to speak to you and do in your life today. Firstly then, sort of introduction, introductory comments about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we find him introduced in verse 16. Jesus is going away. The disciples are understandably anxious and troubled. They are upset at the thought of this. But Jesus says another helper is coming. Another helper is coming to them who will be the same but different. For three years, the disciples have walked around with Jesus. And then he says, I'm not going to be here anymore, but I'm going to send you another helper just like me. What would it mean for those disciples to live without the physical presence of Jesus, but with a new level of experiencing the Holy Spirit? Jesus says it's good that he's going away because another helper will come. I don't know about you, but I think if I could spend three years following Jesus around, that would be absolutely amazing. Jesus says, no, no, this is better. The gift of the Spirit is better. He is another just like Jesus. We find some things about him in these opening verses. The Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is not a power or a force. He is the Spirit of truth. We see here that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit because the things that the Holy Spirit deals with, you, you, cannot, you, cannot, you cannot accept. He, he, he deals in things like conviction and repentance and faith and hope and love. You can't naturally receive them. You need to be born again by the Spirit to receive the Spirit in that sense. So it's not for the world, it is for us who are followers of Jesus. It says he will dwell in believers. If you're a Christian here today, the Holy Spirit lives in you because you wouldn't be a Christian without him. But actually what he's promising here is an indwelling of the Spirit that replaces having a physical Jesus walking around with you. That's what the indwelling of the Spirit is like, meant to be like for our experience he will dwell in believers and abide with the church until Jesus comes again. That is the promise. That, that in a sense is very clear from here. This should be our expectation. Are you, are you catching that? Are you, are you thinking, oh, is my experience of the Spirit tangible, real, experimental? Would, if you imagine Jesus walking with you, can you think about the work of the Spirit and go, Oh, I can see similarities or, or is there something lacking? That's not a problem if there is, but that should make you hungry for more. There, there is more for you. The Holy Spirit here is called helper, counsellor, advocate, advisor. All of those are words. He's someone who gives advice. He encourages. He comes alongside. How cool is that? In your worst day, in your worst situation, the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside. In John 20, verse 22, it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. There's something experiential about our experience of the Spirit. And if you haven't had something experiential, you need to be prayed for to be filled with the Spirit. 
because it's a promise for all believers. Not, not just for some, not just for the 12, it's for all of us. The Paracletos, the one who comes alongside, he is here for us. A clearly a conscious experience. Can you stand up, please? Actually, no, can you all sit down? Sorry. <laughs> if, you would like to, if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, and there's no pressure, and don't worry about whether people are standing up to you or not, not. If you would like to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, please can you stand up? I find it helpful to close my eyes and raise my hands. I'm not the one that fills you with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is. So why don't you now, just with your own words, I think it's good if it's audible, if you just say, Holy Spirit, please would you fill me? And then just start talking to him for a bit. So we pray, Holy Spirit, please would you come and fill us right now. I thank you, your word's very clear that the promise of the Spirit is not just for 2,000 years ago, he is for today. Holy Spirit, would you please come fill us now? I pray for peace that surpasses understanding. I pray for joy in the midst of difficulty. I pray for gifts of faith to be distributed. I pray for a bubbling up, even now of worship. I pray for a gift of tongues, heavenly languages to be distributed among us. I pray we would sense and know your nearness and your presence right now. I pray people would hear you speaking to them for the, maybe the first time. It will probably be words of affirmation words of love it'll just be one or two words and you'll think oh that's just my mind just in my head it'll be the Holy Spirit just, you're just starting to recognise his voice like Samuel when he was a child had to learn to recognise the voice of God speaking to him so come Holy Spirit we pray Wonderful, wonderful. Now, if you know his presence on you, 
I'm going to ask you to sit down in a moment, but you don't need to stop experiencing his presence when you sit down. So why don't we just be seated? Number two, what else do we learn about the Holy Spirit? So we see Holy Spirit in adoption. In verse 18, Jesus says this, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. You think about the disciples, they've just been told that Jesus is leaving them. They know something awful is about to happen. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Adoption brings us, every single one of us, who is a follower of Jesus, brings us into the same relationship with the Father that Jesus has in many ways. I mean, obviously Jesus and the Father are unique, but there is that coming in and I come now, regardless of my day, I come now and I say, my Father, our Father. It's, it's a fact. It has happened. I am a child of the living God. Once I was a slave to sin, I was under its rule and its tyranny and the end destination was hell and an eternity from God. But when I was born again, when Christ came and filled me, I got adopted into that family. I am now a child of God with the access and the confidence that comes with being adopted. And it isn't just a legal statement. Can you imagine if adoption took place and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe someone was legally adopted, so they had all the paperwork, but then they never met the parents who adopted them. That would be awful, wouldn't it? You'd think, well, they are adopted, but they've never met their parents. There'll be something wrong in that. But it's the same with us as Christians. We have been legally adopted and nothing and no one can change that positional situation but then the Spirit comes and we encounter God and we know that we are adopted and we know that we are loved. Not the person next to you, not the theoretical nature of it. No, no, you are loved and adopted by the living God. It's, it's, a, it's an event, it's a, something that's factually, legally happened in the heavenlies, but it's also something I get to experience today, I am loved by my Father. And tomorrow, and the day after. One John three verse one, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See what great loves. Can you see it? Can you catch how much God loves you? That rugby ball flying towards you, God loves you. Catch it and go, wow, me? Me? I can tell you're sort of battling in your heads at the moment. You're, 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 you're looking to catch. I am loved. Sometimes we need to proclaim something for it to connect a little bit low, lower down in our hearts. So what I'd love you to say to the person who is next to you, um, and it might take just a moment or two, I just want you to say, 
I am loved by my Father in heaven. And I want you to, I want you to say it as confidently and clearly as you can, because that is true. And I want you to eyeball, no, no, drop, no eyes dropping down to the ground as you say it, slightly Englishly, apologetically, I am loved by my Father. I, so I'm gonna watch you and I'm gonna see if you convince me that you believe it, okay? So over to you guys. Now quickly, a bit of affirmation the other way. You are loved by the Father, okay? The Spirit you received, the Spirit that you received The spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, no longer slaves, but children of God. That is what you are. And for some, if I can be so bold, and you're really struggling to access this, you're really finding this hard, and I, 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 I get that. For some, the key, the way in, is to believe. It's always to believe. It's always faith. If God tells me it is so, if the Bible tells me it is so, my responsibility is to catch that promise as it comes hurtling towards you, regardless of circumstances, history, pain, or experience. It's to catch the promise and say, this is mine. You, you are special to God, but you're not that special that these promises up here don't apply to you. You're not that special. You know what I'm saying? You need to nail it. Even today, you need to just make that decision. I'm not leaving here until I make that decision to believe what it says up here. It's not just positive thinking. You are, you are putting your faith in one who is completely faithful. Even if your circumstances make you cause to question that. So the Holy Spirit, spirit of adoption. I said we weren't going to do very well at getting through them all, but we will, we will keep going a little longer. Holy Spirit, we are joined. I think that the point should be there on the PowerPoint. If you're just able to flip through them, that'd be brilliant. That's it, excellent. So Holy Spirit, we are joined. The first half of chapter 14, we see union between the Father and the Son. In the second half of the chapter, 
we see um, the Holy Spirit mentioned and we as disciples are drawn into the mix. Next week, Paul's going to be talking on the vine and the branches. So it's all, all sort of there in the mix. There is a union, a joining into Christ that takes place when we become Christians. And by the Holy Spirit, we need to remain. We need to abide, actively connected, enjoying God's life in us. It says in the passage that we read, because I live, Jesus said, you live. Because I live, you will live. There is no life for the Christian outside of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's because we have been united into him that I have life and the Holy Spirit is the agent by which I am joined into Jesus, this, this union that takes place. Previously, we know this, don't we? We're well taught. Previously, we, we know that before we came to know Christ, we were dead in our sin, but in Christ you have been brought alive and this union is both essential, obviously, for us to be saved but it's also essential if we're going to bear fruit for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is active in our union, in our joining. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ. If you're a Christian, that is your position right now. Number four, Holy Spirit, love and obedience. I don't know about you, but it is challenging to see the frequency that love and obedience are mentioned in these chapters. Jesus unapologetically links loving Jesus to obeying Jesus and his commands. In fact, if we don't obey what Jesus tells us to do, he calls into question whether we love him. If you, if you read the way through this chapter, it is provoking. It's there in verse 15. It's in there from 21 through to 24, and it's there in 31 as well. If you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. And this isn't a love, this is not a dutiful love of, oh no, I've got to follow these rules. This, this sorry, a bit, it's not an obedience that's dutiful. It's an, it's an obedience that is, when I look at what Jesus has done for me and how he loves me, how can I do anything other then do what he tells me to do. How can I do anything else if I've encountered this risen Saviour as I have? Where the Holy Spirit is, there will always be a holy life. Let me say that again. Where the Holy Spirit is, there will always be a holy life. If you want to know if you're actively connecting to Jesus in the vine, if you're actively connected to him, look at the fruit of your life. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, he's, he's very clear. The fruit that the Holy Spirit brings to bear in our lives. It's not that we're perfect or we get it all right. Of course we're not. But peace, joy, patience, kindness, love. They're the things we, as we abide in the vine that get produced in our lives. Keeping the commands of God cannot save us. But they will always be an outworking of saving faith. Keeping the commands cannot save us, but they will always be an outworking of saving faith. And that's what's really dangerous if someone confesses Christ, but you then never see them putting that into action. That's a worrying position to be in because the Bible's pretty clear, you will bear fruit if you are a Christian. 
And if you're here today and you've sort of made a confession of faith maybe many years ago, but the reality is your life is not living up to it, it is not for me to say whether you are a Christian or not. But I would expect to see fruit and a desire and a passion to follow Jesus and be connected with him if you're born again. That's part of the life that that comes about. Does that make sense? And the truth is, come on, let's think this through. This is, it gets gritty, doesn't it? We live, we live in a culture that is continuously at odds with what it says in the Bible. Or the Bible is continuously at odds at what, is, what our culture communicates. Even what our culture says is good. The Bible sometimes says is evil. There can be such a mix-up. And as a people, we live in a fallen world and a broken culture when it comes to possessions. We live in a world that says get more and more and more and at some point you will reach contentment. The Bible says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. We live in a world which is so mixed up and confused when it comes to sex and gender. And yet the Bible is so very, very clear about these things. We live in a world with rampant individualism and if it, if it feels good for me, then I'm going to do it, even whatever the consequences are for anyone else. The Bible says, love others as I have loved you, which basically means, do you remember, wash feet, sacrifice. It's hard, it's gritty. Even where fulfilment is found. When you look inside, where do you genuinely think fulfilment will be found? In Christ and your relationship with him? Are you living as though this age is the only one that there is? Are you storing up riches and treasures for this age? as though this could become your little heaven? Or are you living in a way knowing that this is not the best it gets? We have a hope beyond the grave. We live with an eternal perspective. Holy Spirit helps us to live a life of love and obedience. We cannot do it on our own. It's hard. Romans 12 verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I think that verse should be there. Might not be. Number five, Holy Spirit is our teacher. I'm going to rush through now. I've gone on too long. Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus says, I will send another to you who will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit loves to open our hearts and our minds to the Bible's truth. Just as the Holy Spirit taught the disciples, so he teaches us. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, I think that verse is there. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints 
and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is alive and active. Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Holy Spirit loves to work with the Bible. He loves the Bible. He loves to work it into our lives. And then number six, Holy Spirit and peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace is Jesus' gift to his people. You, God may not give you money. He may not give you worldly ease. He may not give you prosperity, but he promises to bring you peace. Firstly, peace with God, because Jesus Christ died for your sin, that you might have a free relationship with God and you might approach with boldness and confidence. But also peace in the very real trauma and tragedy of life. Dane Ortland said this, we do not achieve internal calm by, ex by securing external calm. We find inter internal calm by looking to God. I'll say that again. We do not achieve internal calm or peace by securing external calm or peace. We find internal calm by looking to God. And that is not a one moment fix for everything Often that peace is something that you fight for day by day by day. As you come back to Jesus again and again and again. But Holy Spirit comes and helps you in that. I was in a situation yesterday where an awful lot of beer got drunk. And the guys that I witnessed were really serious at drinking. They were, they were committed. There's a level of commitment I've hardly ever seen anywhere else. They set aside time. They paid their money. They would even get these little things so you could carry four pints at a time so that you didn't have to go back to the bar too often. They were serious about drinking. It says in Ephesians chapter four, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in hymns, psalms and spiritual songs. John? Thank you. The only reason I asked John to say it is because I forgot it in the prayer meeting. And I've forgotten it again. The Apostle Paul uses being filled with the Spirit and getting drunk. Getting drunk is a picture of being filled with the Spirit. For some people, getting drunk is a serious business. Is being filled with the Spirit a serious business for you? Are you happy to sip every now and again? Come to church Sunday, have a little sip. Or do you know what it is to be filled to such an extent that you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to God and to one another? 
that you overflow with the life of God, that there is a courage and a boldness, not a ridiculous courage or boldness, but a courage and a boldness that oozes out of you like there might be if you'd had one or two too many. Are you as serious about being filled with the Spirit as these people I was with yesterday were serious about getting filled with beer? Why don't we stand? Can I invite the band back up? Holy Spirit and adoption. Holy Spirit and joined into Jesus, his life flowing through us. Holy Spirit, love and obedience. How on earth can I love and obey as it's described in the Bible, in my own strength, I can't, but Holy Spirit comes and he helps me. Holy Spirit, the best teacher ever. If you're struggling to understand the Bible when you read it, just two words of advice. One, read the Gospels. And two, ask the Holy Spirit to help you before you start reading it. And Holy Spirit and peace. And I don't quite know what Sam and the guys will do. I have dramatically overrun, but it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to pray for us to be filled with the Spirit and then I'm going to skedaddle, whatever that is. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you never designed church to be run dry. You designed church to be saturated corporately saturated with your spirit. We are the dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. We're the living stones being built together. Why? That the Holy Spirit might enjoy having his home among us and oozing out between the bricks all over the place. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you please fall in this place? Would you fill us individually? Lord, would we overflow? I pray particularly for those that have never experienced you. Lord, they know about you. They love you with all their hearts, but they have not experienced your working. I pray, Holy Spirit, even now, that you would immerse and saturate people in you, we pray. We ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.